Hello and welcome. You're listening to Building Blank, a collaborative world-building podcast. We're your hosts, Greg and Travis, and today we're diving into the world of the apocalypse. It is the year 2012. The world is crumbling into a new dark age. Disease and poverty run rampant in a world scourged by desolation, pollution, radiation, and despair. But hey, don't let that spoil your day. (laughs) That was the beginning credits to a a PS1 game called Rogue Trip Vacation 2012. That came out in 1998. And uh, yeah, one of my favorite games of the time. So I thought, you know what, we're doing apocalypses. I'm going to throw it in there because I I loved it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I've never played it, but uh, yeah, that was was fun. Yeah, it was very similar to the uh, popular Twisted Metal games for reference for anybody out there. But uh, yeah, when I came to do this episode, you know, due to the grave nature of the content, I wanted to start on a lighter note with a joke. Mm -hmm. So I was looking up some jokes to get the ball rolling a bit, and I couldn't believe it. People are making apocalypse jokes like there's no tomorrow. (laughs) I was wondering what what you're doing with your phone up by the speaker. I I needed some cricket sounds. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm going to apologize. My voice is just like destroyed from trying to do that voice in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I was practicing there yesterday. And uh, I guess I got a little overzealous, as Brad might say. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're talking about apocalypses today. Oh, I can't even talk. Yeah. And, you know, I was doing this and I was kind of banging my head against the wall trying to figure out a way to do a good apocalypse episode and but also like incorporate some writing stuff. So I thought that I would focus on some flood myths. Okay. Because they're so common. Anyway, but then in terms of writing, I wanted to talk about something, you know, there's probably a term for it out there, but I'm just going to call it like the three levels of story. And and with that, what I mean by that is there's the story that the author knows and they might not tell it to anyone. They probably have it written down, maybe not. But that's like, this is what happens no matter what. Kind in of the thing. author's head? In the author's head, yeah, yeah. Like that's the the chronology, the whole timeline, everything. And then there's what the reader knows. And that can be through character or narration or anything. And then there's what the character knows. Yeah, because the characters usually don't know nearly as much as the audience. Yeah, usually. It, can, it doesn't necessarily need to be in that order, but obviously the author always knows more than yeah. the reader or the character. And then I was thinking we could go into maybe some talk uh discussion not even discussion but just kind of like what's the difference between religion and myth okay because next week you're doing an episode on religion right? yeah we're gonna do an episode on religion next week so i thought that'd be a good kind of segue we're going from myth to religion okay. next week and then yeah just using those three levels of story um as a tool to get inside your character's head and like not necessarily like oh what would this guy do like not trying to put yourself in their shoes necessarily but imagining yourself or ourselves in a situation, but like in our world. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, the, the universe or, or the world can end in many different ways, you know, from the fire and brimstone of the uh, Old Testament to okay. to the floods in, in Genesis, or there's also in the Greek and Mesopotamian Potamian myths. It can also go to uh, final battles like Ragnarok. Correct, but yeah. I didn't want to do a Ragnarok episode because you're more the uh, resident Viking expert more so than I am. So I wanted to focus on a collection of 
four accounts of an okay. ancient flood to kind of help us understand the three different levels that stories work on. Okay. Right? So That's as good. I'm talking about these, let's keep in mind kind of like what the author would know. Like, I'm going to read these, but let's think of them like a fiction. Okay. Right? Not as an actual history. Because there is, there's myth and religion in here, and I'm, we're not focusing on that. Yeah, and I just want to point out that you can make parallels if we're, if we're moving this whole concept from uh, like reading a book to playing a, a game. Mm-hmm. There is like what the DM knows. Oh right? yeah. There's yeah. what the players know and what the, the characters know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Exact same same thing. Because like players will know more than their characters know almost always. Yeah. Right. Obviously. Yeah. That makes sense. And um, yeah, I was going to talk about this at the end, but that's something called dramatic irony. And I guess yeah, it happens both in D and D and in in yeah. in writing. But yeah, so I'm going to start with here the the myth of Atrahasis. Okay. And it was written down in the mid 17th century BCE, although, you know, considered much older, passed down through old oral transmission and all that stuff. And there are three tablets associated with Atrahasis that I'm going to get into. So basically on the first tablet, Enlil, the earth god, assigned these junior divines, kind of like lesser gods, like the Maiar okay. versus the Valar in okay. Lord of the Rings, to labor as farmers and maintain the rivers and canals. But however, after 40 years, the lesser divines rebelled and refused to do the labor anymore. And then it was Enki who came up with the idea of creating humans to do the work instead. And this really reminded me a lot of your Assassin's Creed okay. kind of thing. Like they created the humans to be slaves. Yeah. And yeah, so Enki came, comes up with this idea of creating humans to do the work instead. So the mother goddess Mammy was then given the task of creating humans. She made clay figurines mixed with the flesh and blood of the slain god Geshtu-e. Which I just thought was really cool. So that's why I included okay. that. And then all the gods spit on the clay. And after 10 months, especially made womb breaks open and humans are born. And that's kind of gross. So I thought that I would so include gross. that. That's so gross. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's all spit on this clay. Anyway. Gross. Yeah. So then on tablet two, it talks about human overpopulation. Okay. And so Enlil sends famines and droughts every 1,200 years to help control the human population. And then I guess it just ends with... Enlil's decision to destroy humankind with a flood. Okay. And then Enlil gets Enki to like uh, keep his plan secret. So he doesn't warn anybody, right? Okay. And then in the third tablet, this contains the uh, the flood myth. And Enki warns the hero Atrahasis of Enlil's plan to destroy humankind by flood. And he tells him to the hero to build a boat and escape. Okay. Right. So, I mean, that's... Just like the Noah yeah, account, right? Yeah, it's, it's basically word for word, the same story. Yeah, so he boards the boat with his family and his animals. They seal the doors and then, you know, it storms and floods. And after seven days, the flood ends and that's pretty much it. Okay. Enlil ends up being upset with Enki for violating his oath. And Enki says, I made sure life was preserved. And yeah, then they agree on other means for c- controlling the human population. So we have the humans being destroyed due to overpopulation. Atrahasis was not spared because of any virtue or holiness, but rather because he was favored by Enki. Okay. And then Atrahasis saves the animals, you know, very much like um, Noah, and it rained for seven days. And then I'm just going to include the Epic of Gilgamesh in here because this one has basically the same character of Atrahasis, but his name is Utnapishtim. And and he becomes immortal after the flood, because of um, 
Oh, whatever, it doesn't really matter. But um, yeah, many scholars believe that the flood myth was added to the um, to Tablet 11 of the Epic of Gil- Gilgamesh by an editor who used the same uh, flood story from the Epic of Atrahasis. Okay. And so that's just kind of here to illustrate how stories are kind of retold and retold and changed by the people telling them, right? Like if it's a name or something. And so, yeah, like as from an author point of view, if this was like something you're writing, Atrahasis and Utnapishtim could be the same person. And then you just have these different cultures giving them different names or different writers, right? Yeah, it, it goes to a point we made a couple episodes back where um, there's no original ideas. Like it's, this yeah. proves it. Like it just, exactly. things yeah. get recycled. Yeah. And then here's something cool. It's from the Sumerian Sumerian king list. And this is dated around uh, 2000 BC. Okay. And this is concerning um, basically that area, like Epic of Gilgamesh and uh, Utrahasis and stuff. Okay. After kingship came down from heaven, the kingship was taken to Shurapak. In Shurapak, Ubara Tutu became king. He ruled for five sars and one nur. In five cities, eight kings. They ruled for 241,200 years. Then the flood swept over. So... I just thought that was cool because I don't know what a SAR is or a NUR. <laughs> Me either. If anyone can tell us, let us know. Yeah. And then we get into Genesis. So we had the Atrahasis, the Epic of Gilgamesh, and now Genesis, which was around 1400 BC. So mm-hmm. a little later, right? Yeah. Found in chapter six to nine of the book of Genesis. Basically, God decides to return Earth to its pre creation state and then remake it in a reversal of creation. And then I'm going to quote from uh, Genesis 6, 8. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, which is very similar to Atrahasis, Atrahasis right? Yeah. Like how he found favor is probably by being um, whatever, virtuous or, or something. But it's just that that favor is similar in all three. So just wanted to outline that. Okay. And then thus when God beheld the corruption of the earth, so this is why he's destroying or, or doing the flood is because of the corruption of the earth. And uh, yeah, so he gives Noah the divine warning of the impending impending disaster and made a covenant with him, promising to save him and his family. And then 40 days and 40 nights of rain, Noah saves his family and the animals. Okay. So a lot of similarities there. Yeah. It's basically the same as Atrahasis' story. Yeah. And then I was kind of having trouble tracking down the earliest source of the Greek flood myth. Okay. And I didn't get the earliest, but the most complete or maybe most detailed or most famous is from the uh, Roman writer in his Metamorphoses. Okay. And that was finished around 8 AD. So basically, Lycaon, the king of Arcadia, had sacrificed a boy to Zeus who was appalled by this savage offering. So... He unleashed the, a deluge, right? Yeah. Flooded everything. And then Deucalion, who um, was the son of Prometheus. Okay. So favored, but like for kind of obvious reasons, it's his son. Yeah. I love the name Prometheus. Yeah, it's so good. Right. Just means um, forethought. Is, what, is Just so cool. Is what that name translates to. Um, but yeah, like the biblical Noah and the Mesopotamian counterpart Utnapishtim, he uses this device, like um, he builds a chest instead of a 
a boat. Okay. But yeah, uses that to uh, survive the deluge with his wife. And um, I feel like this is kind of like a blending of the two because Deucalion is favored by Prometheus, much like Atrahasis and was favored by Enki and Noah mm-hmm. by God. Yeah. And then, but hum- humanity was destroyed because of their wickedness in this one, right? Kind of yeah. like the Noah one. And um, that's I really like the Atrahasis one because it's just overpopulation, like, there's nothing evil about it. Well, it, it just goes to show, like, because I think how how values change over time. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, at one point, it's like, oh, no, we don't really, it's overpopulation. We can't feed ourselves. But yeah. then it turns into, well, we can feed ourselves, but, you know, people are fucking shitty. Yeah. You know? And then in this one, it rains for nine days, and uh, Deucalion rescues no animals, and this flood marked the end of the Bronze Age. Remember when we okay. talked about the five yeah. ages? Yeah. Yeah. So all three heroes, Atrahasis, Noah, and Deucalion, find favor with a the god. They all construct boats, being for- forewarned by the god uh, who favors them. Atrahasis and Utnapishtim and Noah save animals and their families. Deucalion and Pyrrha are alone. And then they all restart humanity. Okay. And then. The reason I, I included this flood myth was because there's actually not a, um, there's no destruction myth foretold in the Greek mythology from what I've, what I was looking at. Okay. But if we look at how the Romans basically supplanted the Greek religion, right? They kind mm-hmm. of took it, made it their own, and then that became that. Yeah. But then Christianity likewise supplanted the Roman, the Roman religion, right? Yeah. And so if we think of Christianity as being like the descendant almost of the, or the legacy of the Greek and the uh, Mesopotamian before it uh, myths, Mm -hmm. then that would kind of make revelations like the destruction myth of the Greek in a sense. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, again, I'm not saying that this is what is actually happening in history, but rather like if we were thinking this as a fiction, if we were the author and we put these four different accounts into our world, you could start with the idea like, oh yeah, it's going to end with revelations, but I'm not going to talk about that until we get to Christianity. Okay. Here's another quote. For some time during the Middle Ages, many European Christian scholars continued to accept the Greek mythical history at face value, thus asserting that Deucalion's flood was a regional flood that occurred a few centuries later than the global one survived by Noah's family. So yeah, because they took everything like... Literally. Literally back then, right? Yeah. And then kind of getting into... I don't know, does that make sense? Yeah, what, yeah, what I'm following about? along. Yeah. yeah. So then just looking at the the, uh, the similarities between these myths and religion, I actually ended up getting down this rabbit hole about the similarities. Yeah. <laughs> the similarities between Hercules and Jesus. Okay. And I was like, what? I got to read that. And so I'm just going to hit some of the major points about it. But the mortal and chast Alchemina, the the mother of Hercules, gave birth to him from a union with God, you know, Zeus. So kind of similar, Virgin Mary, whatever, right? Yeah. Herod wanted to kill Jesus and Hera, or Hera, wanted to kill Hercules. Okay. They both traveled the earth as a mortal, helping mankind and performing great deeds, though, you know, much different. Yeah. They both died and then rose up to become gods in what is called apotheosis. And then I just added um, 
Hercules had his 12 labors. Yeah. You know, Jesus had his 12 disciples. And again, I'm not saying that Hercules is Jesus or anything, but if I was writing this as a fiction, it'd be kind of funny to have these two different accounts were really quite different. They're very different, but, but then having these same similar themes. Yeah. And then maybe neither is true, but they both kind of add up to a truth. Yeah. Well, like, again, it just goes back to the same stories get told over and over and over again. Yeah. Right. Just new, fresh faces. So I wanted to do just a quick definition of the difference between religion and myth. Okay. So the term religion defines a system of formally organized beliefs and practices typically centered around the worship of supernatural forces or beings, whereas mythology is a collection of myths or stories belonging to a particular religious or cultural tradition used to explain a practice, belief, or natural phenomenon. So I got that from gale.com. But anyway, I think a better definition is a religion becomes a myth when it is supplanted. Okay. Right? Because like the Greek religion, that was the religion. Yeah. And then when the Romans took it over, it kind of was like, oh, that's Greek myth. And then we have Roman religion. Mm-hmm. And then when the Christ- Christianity supplanted the Romans, it's like, oh, yeah, Greek and Roman myth. That, that's not real. That Those are just stories. Yeah. Right. And now Christianity is supposed to be the, the religion. The end and, all, and, be all and, yeah. tr- and truth. Right. I mean, depending on who you are. Yeah. And then. So, again, if we go back to Christianity being the like the legacy of of the Greek story in the beginning. Okay. Then, yeah, the book of Revelations, which was written around 96 uh, CE or just AD in Asia Minor. The author was probably a Christian from Ephesus known as John the Elder. Okay. And then, um, according to the book, uh, this John was on the island of Patmos, not far from the coast of Asia Minor, because the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, apparently. So yeah, that is kind of where I got to. <laughs> okay. And so I added another potentially uh, Greek destruction myth. Okay. And this one is by the Stoics. And uh, they basically thought that the entire universe would be destroyed in fire. Okay. But then it'd be reborn exactly the way it had been originally. Exactly. There, then they believed that there had been me, many previous universes and that there would be infinitely many f- future universes. And then it's a cycle. Yeah. And so like what we're doing now, talking on this podcast is already, we've already done it, you know, uncounted times. hundred million times. <laughs> 30, hundred million. Yeah. But yeah. So now if we keep the, all that stuff in mind and I kind of blasted through that quick, but just keep those four different accounts and kind of how they have a beginning and then an end. And then there's all that confusion in between. Okay. But yeah, if we look at it from the author viewpoint, you know, we will never know the truth of these myths and religions that we were just talking about. But like, what can we, what can be drawn from the similarities, you know? Yeah. Like, like if, if you were that author, what would, what would that do like, in your mind? How would that work? You know what I mean? What do you mean? I'm what like what can be drawn from the similarities like what as the author what would you maybe be trying to say there okay so I would maybe be saying um at some point from based on these myths yeah 
the destruction of the world or the flood or whatever is caused by by humans, whether it be overpopulation or wickedness, mm-hmm. right? It's their own fault, yeah. and the gods are trying to fix something, right? Now, there's many other stories too. Um, yeah, no, no, that's why I'm just just focusing on this, but not, on these yeah. ones specifically, yeah, it would be like that's that's the point, and maybe as a character or as a as a reader, you don't, I don't know, um, I might be just running my mouth here. No, 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 yeah, it's good. Um. I like something called the word of God from TV tropes. So this is a trope and they define it as a statement regarding some ambiguous or undefined aspect of a work. The word of God comes from someone considered to be the ultimate authority, such as the creator, director, or producer. Such edicts can even go against events as were broadcast due to someone making a mistake. And so I like, so like, when J.K. Rowling gives us unnecessary facts about characters. Yeah. And that have no bearing on the story whatsoever. This kind of gets into something called the death of the author. Okay. Where it's kind of like, because yeah, there's two camps where it's like word of God. Yeah. J.K. Rowling said that. So that's true. But then there's, um, yeah, this whole thing called death of an, of the author, which I'm not going to really get into, but that talks about, um, once the work is completed, it's done. And then, however you interpret it mm-hmm. ends up being the truth and like the author shouldn't come in and enforce their will upon on, on your interpretation of the reading. Yeah. But um, yeah, this is also from TV tropes. In many cases, the authority does not feel the need to respond and to, um, to people asking like for clarifications. There are good reasons. Many creators don't respond to requests for um, clarifications. They want the fans to make their own interpretations. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of one of my favorite things too, is like you could have an overall arching thing or you could just make these four different or however many different accounts. Yeah. And then, you know, for the purpose of making it not just confusing, but like make it feel lived in. Yeah. Make it feel like a real world. Because like if everyone yeah. knows exactly what happened, it doesn't feel real. Yeah. Right. And then, um, I got a quote here from Patrick Rothfuss, okay. a guy I talk about occasionally. All the truth in the world is held in stories. And then a counter quote from Bob Dylan, all, all the truth in the world adds up to one big lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if we look at it from the viewpoint of the reader now, okay. and again, not like us as the reader, but if we were the characters in these stories and mm-hmm. we're thinking about these myths, you know, hypothetically, you know, the reader maybe like an alien, right? Just somebody that doesn't know anything about humans. Yeah. Other than these stories that this, that the author would tell them, you know, like what would they conclude given the information presented to them, given the similarities between the myths and the religions and the cultures and like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So if I was an alien and I read this, I'd be like, yo, let's not go there. They fucking crazy. (laughs) The gods gods keep killing them off. They keep coming back. Over and over again, there's like three different accounts of that happening. They spit on a bunch of clay. They made these humans to do their work for them. And then they just keep they're, killing them. They're just gross. Yeah. Just not go there. They just mix a bunch of blood in there. Oh, that's crazy. Gross. Yeah. yeah. So, and then, yeah, the last viewpoint. So this is the three levels again, right? Author, reader, okay. character. character. And yeah, so this is what I mean about not putting yourself necessarily in your character's view, but like making yourself a character does that make sense yes 
And now the thoughts that you have about these myths or religions, you could just kind of reverse engineer and do the same thing for your characters in your fictional world about any uh, creation myths or religions that maybe you have. Yeah, that's why I kind of like the idea of having multiple different um, religions and myths. Yeah. Because then like the NPCs don't know, right? Yeah. It feels more lived in. Whereas like I find most like fantasy D and D it's like the gods are real tangible things yeah. and are proven. They don't really have to be like, they. Mm-hmm. I think the way I feel about it is like people can, different cultures can interpret these real beings differently because they're not yeah. present. Like going back to your creation myth, you yeah. have, this is what I mean from like the author's standpoint. You have exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. You know how your world is created everything that happened and yeah, there's no contradiction to that, but then that's not what you have to put in your world world, for for the players or the readers to, to find out you can have many. Well, you do have that one, right? You have Phil. Yep. And, and you have a bunch of different interpretations for the gods. Yeah. So every rate, like there's only so many gods, but then every race has a different name for each one. Right. Yeah. And so that's, kind of what i mean the humans call the sun god helios can fill (laughs) yeah praise filler praise the fill yeah that's what it is and then yeah so basically going back to dramatic irony this is just the uh, the definition because i said i would talk about it at the end here a literary technique originally used in greek tragedy by which the full significance of a character's words or actions are clear to the audience or reader although unknown to the character and so like a good example of this is like genre savvy people watching um, horror films, like don't go in the don't go in there. What are you doing? Or yeah. like they show a shot of like a person like ready to stab somebody around a corner, and then they show the character creeping up to it. You know what's going to happen, but you yeah. just like you're watching that train wreck happen. Yeah, and you you watch these characters make bad decisions based on information that you know they don't have that information. Right? Yeah. And it's just cringeworthy. Right. And that's why it's so well tragic. You're yeah. like, Oh, I can see what's going to happen, but I just, and I know it's going to happen, but I don't want it to, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, like Cobra Kai. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So much of it. Yeah. But that's all I had for today for apocalypses. All right. And so we're going to go into our ad break, talk about some more uh, submissions and stuff. Yeah. So n- what we're doing is we're actually keeping the submissions open that we asked for last week for another week. We're going to talk about them next week on the religion uh, episode. Yeah. And then we're going to go into world building some apocalypses, maybe. We'll, yeah. We'll just kind of see see what comes up. See what we'll uh, do some brainstorming. And yeah, we'll uh, we'll make some tea and see you guys after the break. All right, and welcome to the break. So this is the part of the show where we stop talking about the scary apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to talk a little bit about how much we love you. Oh, no, we're not doing one of these again, are we? We're doing one of these. Uh, if you're listening <laughs> to this, thank you. We really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day, and uh, we love you. And we love when you guys give us submissions. Yeah, we already got how many now? We got three so far yeah um, these are for our god- gods and goddesses yeah so we will talk about that we will go over the submissions we're going to give it another week yeah 
and talked about that on the uh, episode 21. By the way, this is episode 20. Congratulations, Greg. It's a pretty big milestone for us, I think. Yeah. Congratulations, Travis. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and yeah, so if you guys want to, if anyone wants to send in a submission, you can uh, do it on Facebook. We have a post up. We have a post up on Instagram. You can send us an email or you can message us personally. However you want to send it, you can mail it to me if you want. <laughs> uh, I don't know how long that's going to take, but yeah. Um, if if yeah. they still do, uh, what, what are those called? Um, telegrams? You do that. <laughs> yeah. And then I just wanted to talk about um, a website that our friend Ash used to do her submissions. All right. Well, not just talk about, but um, just mention it. It's called dolldivine.com. Okay. And so I, it's just... Um, you just like dress up and add things, kind of make these characters. And so she, gave, like I said, gave us some submissions and then made them on Doll Divine. That's cool. So if anybody's interested, that's there. I personally haven't used it yet, but checking it out looks pretty cool. All right. Awesome. So yeah, um, we have new fresh cups of tea and I think we're ready to get back to the show. All right. Welcome back. Yeah. Welcome to the world building. All right. So we're going to talk apocalypses. So before we talk apocalypses, I think we need to go over a couple other things that we've already done. Yeah. And um, that's kind of just like basic, or I don't, maybe I shouldn't say basic, but just um, like storytelling, right? Yeah. You can't just jump to the end. I mean, sometimes you can. Yeah. Like I know a lot of people start at the end and work backwards. Yeah. No, that's what I mean though, but they are connected. They're connected. So Mm -hmm. in the beginning... We, we talked about last week, we talked about the two primordials, mm-hmm. you know, creating the world initially. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about, you know, the younger gods. Um, but we have some ideas there, too. We also want to talk about something we all um, talked about earlier in the villains about the Barnacle King. Yeah, the Barnacle the King. the Crab Wars. Yeah, we really... We've kind of taken that idea and ran with it. Yeah. So we have a few notes and we're basing all of our eras on, you know, when the crab wars happen. And for the apocalypse, I was thinking the barnacle king at whatever point, whatever crab war could be crab war 15 electric boogaloo. (laughs) um, The barnacle king finally attains that godhood. Yeah. That we were talking about before and becoming a god on this side of the, you know, the line you know, on yeah. earth, on let's do it. Let's just do a quick recap. The, okay. What we were going to talk about, um, basically you had the idea of the mortal plane and like the gods leaving it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking where was that? So at the end of the dawn era, the, the gods go, okay, well we're on this mortal plane. We should probably not be because we're super powerful. Every time we take a step, we're killing our, Things we made, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the they leave. They leave, and one of them, some uh, you know, god of the deep, yeah, wants to stay. So we'll talk about that a little bit more. But anyway, they find a way to reincarnate themselves into the Barnacle King. So the Barnacle King's immortal, right? Mm-hmm. Who then tries to attain godhood in the first era. Yeah. Uh is stopped by these heroes, and ritual's partially done. And they end up, all of these heroes and the Barnacle King end up in a reincarnation cycle. Yeah. And then the reason I, fl- I focused on floods for the first half was because that has something to do with our creation and destruction myth as well, right? Yeah. 
um, the Barnacle King, as we're calling him for now, is God of the Deep, right? Yeah. And so it would make sense in his best interest to like flood the earth. Exactly. So right? the idea is for the the mortal who's become the Barnacle King or merged with the Barnacle King or however it works to try to become a god again and raise the sea to yeah. flood the world and turn all of the mortals into its, you know, crab minions. Yeah, and um, that kind of reminds me of the the clay mixing that mother in the uh, the Atrahasis. Yeah, mixing the clay with the blood because I think we were going to kind of do something like that, but maybe with uh, some different things. Um, but yeah, so I also kind of thought maybe the way to flood the earth would be something to do with you know like ice. Like melting the poles? Melting the poles, yeah. And, or, um, but then further along that line that the poles were created in the first place to lower the, the sea maybe. Okay. And then that could have also been a way to like seal the Barnacle King or something. Because I think it was, oh, I can't remember. I think it was like even Michelangelo didn't um, prove that the floods didn't didn't actually happen at the scale that they did. Because he thought um, that the water couldn't have evaporated fast enough, right? Yeah. But water didn't necessarily have to evaporate. It could it have froze. froze. Okay. So that's kind of what I was thinking along those lines. And then yeah. also, like, I mean, that's one of the issues with our world, right? And not that I want to talk about issues necessarily on this podcast, but for me, that's what fiction is too, right? Yeah. Like, it's a way to talk about issues or things that are important to you in a in a different lens so that you can explore it freely yeah right so what what issue are you talking about the ice caps melting oh oh yes okay yeah 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 <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're entering the apocalypse gotcha yeah um yeah so so maybe the barnacle king starts the industrial revolution yeah good <laughs> you just like you guys want some coal <laughs> I'm just giving it away. <laughs> All right. So we did um, the other day when we got together for our, our planning session, we came up with a couple uh, monsters. Kind of what I want to talk about a little bit. too. Mm, yeah. 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 So we came up with the Barnacle King's main like brutes. Yeah. Are, are like, if anyone knows what a drider is, it's like a, like a draw and spider mix from yeah. D&D. Um, and a draw is a dark elf. A dark elf, yeah. yeah. So I came up with the idea for a Krelf, which is like a <laughs> crab elf yeah. hybrid. Yeah. Real and creepy like. Real creepy like. So I imagine like a lobster, even though I call it a Krelf. It's like a lobster. Take a lobster, but give it like the top half of a of like a humanoid, mm-hmm. but still like super armored. It has these like big meaty claws and running around and clomping on things. Yeah, I like that. And idea. of course, like a couple variants. So I think the goal is to like turn the world into these like in mind enslaved crab monsters. Yeah, and like going back to that Gesh to E, that's mm-hmm. the guy that um in the uh, Atrahasis that they use that's the god that they use the blood from. Yeah. I was thinking we could almost do something like that where the original Barnacle King, somehow his blood or um juices are, are around still and, and then this new barnacle king 
um, uses that to make these these Krell. Okay. Because it's got like that kind of reminds me of nowhere in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, where they're like, like the, the mining the yeah. the dead Titan. And that's that's kind of what I really thought of both in the Atrahasis and we could do something yeah, similar. Yeah, we could do something like that. Yeah, that sounds good. Um just using that primordial. I was also thinking essence. of other variants of the Krelf. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, this one's a big brute, kind of like um like a muscle, really. So yeah. maybe a uh, a smaller variant that's like more cannon fodder. The mook. The mook. Yeah. So what do you think of um like a cross between a goblin and like a shrimp or like <laughs> a grimp a grimp <laughs> or um not, maybe not a shrimp but like a you know like a little like a krill like a krill yeah krill crib criblin crib criblin that sounds like what is that what are those birds from dunland remember that, that oh. looks like a cloud oh it's going against the wind or it's moving fast and it's going against the wind oh they're Crubbin or I, I don't from, remember. From I don't remember the hide, <laughs> hide. Yeah, yeah. Like those, these little like goblinoid shrimp type monsters. I like it. And then like maybe a smarter like spellcasty variant, which is like a squid elf or like an octopus or something, or a squelf. Squelf <laughs> sounds so gross. No, it doesn't. It does. Come on, you know it does. No, I like it. I'm gonna name if I have a. A son, I'll name him Squelf. Uh, I love you, Squelf. If I have a daughter, I'll, I'll name her Squelf too. Good old little Squelf. <laughs> little Squelf and Squelf. That sounds so gross. <laughs> the, um, yeah, let's stop saying Squelf. I'm totally picturing like Squidward. <laughs> but yeah, so those are my ideas and flooding the world with these kind of creepy monsters. I have made a stat block for the Krelf. So if anyone is interested... Let me know. Um, I'm working on stat blocks for the other two as well. Yeah, we tested it out there, and yeah, it was pretty oh, it powerful. was pretty strong. I I used the drider as the base, and it. Greg went one on one with it with a randomly generated um, fighter. Yeah, old high torque. That's what we ended up naming him, the dwarf fighter. Yeah, and he uh, he he died. I was doing really well in the beginning, and I I saw you sweating a little bit because uh, I made my guy with the high AC, right? Yeah. And your um your Krelf was missing, mm-hmm. and and I was hitting, but I wasn't doing like tons of damage. Yeah, and then but once it got a hold of me, oh, game over. Yeah, because it has like a grapple and crush yeah. um, um mechanic. That's deadly, and it was deadly because it turned the the to hit into a uh, you roll a saving throw. Yeah, right. Um, and then well, let's talk about this Barnacle King. Maybe like we keep talking about the first Barnacle King mm-hmm. and then the second. Do, do you want to get into that? Sure. Because maybe it's not really making any sense to some people listening, perhaps. Yeah. So I was thinking that the the Barnacle King, not maybe like the first, like the first iteration would be this God of the Deep. It could yeah. be named or nameless, right? Yeah. Like some unimaginable fathom from the deep. But then, you know, to avoid getting ejected from the world, they like pour their power or whatever into a set of armor. Yeah. I like that. Makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of like Sauron pouring his power into the one ring. Right. Yeah. So, and at some point during the first age, some adventurer comes across this armor and dons it because it's badass armor. Yeah. It's got all the, um, sentience, right? Yeah. And then they're, they're, you know, they basically merge. 
right? It's like, I'm going to use this mortal body to attain godhood again and, and, you know, do what I want. Yeah. And then, then we have the three heroes Mm -hmm. fight that barnacle king. Yeah. So it's kind of like, like we could have in the war of the gods in the dawn era, this first god of the deep, maybe fighting, right? Yeah. And then... They um they switch the the gods leave the mortal plane mm-hmm. and yeah and then the uh, this guy makes his armor so he can stay mortal gets a hold of it becomes immortal and then starts doing this um ceremony to godhood yeah to try and well right become a god yeah but then the three heroes stop it somehow they they interrupt the ritual and everyone dies and gets like into this half quasi like reincarnation cycle. Yeah. So we didn't want to do like a stable time loop or anything. No. Because that is just so confusing. No. To write, right? But like something like kind of like that, but reincarnation instead of just re- Yeah. So it's fundamentally time. different people every time. Yeah. They just end up coming together. Kind of like similar to how Legend of Zelda works. Yeah. Where Ganon comes back and Ganon's always like the same. But then Zelda and Link are always reincarnated as Zelda and Link. But then, like, they don't have any memories of the past. Yeah. See, I never really played the Zelda games because I always had, like, well, like PlayStation and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't really know that. But it also reminds me of, um, oh, what was I just thinking of? Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Zelda. Was my thought anyway. Like, something similar to that. But yeah, anyway, um, I think that's probably good and we can move on to our weekly inspiration. So what inspired you this week, Greg? Okay. Um, well, I thought of a name for a Minotaur. Okay. And I like the name Oxjack. Oxjack. Okay. And how I was inspired? Like an auxiliary jack. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. You were getting, we went to, we got our uh, pipe tobacco because yeah, our yeah. pipes finally came in. Yeah. And we were, you were getting coffee. And so I was just sitting in your car there waiting for you. Okay. And yeah, your, your uh, display on your car said Ox Jack in. I'm like, Ox Jack. Ox Jack. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my uh, auxiliary cord is like kind of messed up. So yeah, like position it in a certain way for it to work properly. And uh, it's just a mess. How about you? Yeah, so I'm not really sure. Um, I did a lot of drawing this week and I was kind of, I, I got a spell in uh, D&D for my 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 character Poncho, a turtle, the turtle wizard. He got a new spell the other day or the other week and he finally got to um, scribe it into a spell book and it was Phantom Steed. And if you don't know what Phantom Steed is, basically you summon a a steed but it can be shaped and it can look like whatever the fuck you want which is really cool okay so it can be you can look like whatever you want as long as it's vaguely horse sized and horse shaped <laughs> okay so basically what i went with because poncho is like from this um poncho is from this uh like tropical type destination place right like it's small village he's it's basically like a like a Hawaiian surf town is like what I based his whole culture on. And I made up like on the spot um, that there's these creatures from his homeland that are like big turtle creature monsters. Um, But basically if you know what a Torterra is from Pokemon. Yep. But like tropical. 
Oh, that's Instead cool. of having like the big tree on it, it has like a, a palm leaf. And so Poncho's new um, mount, Steed, Gouda, is one of these Torteras. Gouda? I'm surprised you didn't name it Parm. No, no, he's Gouda. And then his <laughs> familiar's name is Cheddar. And then once I get like the Magnificent Mansion, I'll have all these servants and they're all going to be named after different cheese. It's going to be great. Nice. I love cheese. Yeah. So that's kind of what inspired me. I was like, oh, what do I, what do I make my steed? And I was like, I kind of want him to be like a big turtle esque. And I was looking at different um, like Ankylosauruses and different like dinosaurs and stuff. And then I'm like, hmm, turtle, turtle, turtle. What about Tertera? So I looked at a bunch of pictures of Tertera and I was like, yes, this is it right here. <laughs> this is what I want. Nice. Now you're just riding around on a Tertera. Yeah, it's fantastic. It goes 90 feet around. Crazy. That's not horse sized. No, it's like real fast. It's magical, right? Oh, I thought you meant it's 90 feet around. No. <laughs> it's movement speed. Oh, wow. That is fast. Super fast. Because what is the standard speed? Of a of a like a human. Well, a human is like thirty. Yeah, so three times faster. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, that's uh, that's mine. So uh, yeah, and I think that's about all the time we have. If you guys would like to hit us up or put submissions in, you can find us on Facebook, Building Blank, a collaborative world building podcast, or on Instagram at Building Blank Podcast. And you can always send us an email, buildingblankpodcast at gmail.com. We have Discord down in the description. And uh, yeah, hit us up. I'm on TikTok. Greg's. I'm over Greg. here. He's I'm over here. Right here. Just talk to me anytime you like. Yeah. So yeah, um, have a great week and enjoy the, the com- coming Oh, weather. and uh, happy birthday eve to old Travis over here. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We're almost 30. We're, we are almost 30. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys, and have a great week.